Lovely. All right. Good morning. Welcome, everyone. Um, yeah, if you, if you don't know me, if you haven't met me before, my name's Jamie, and it is my honor to share the Word of God with you this morning, um, a, a challenging word this morning. So we're going to be continuing our series in the book of James. And the book of James is brilliant. Uh, I guess you wouldn't expect me to say otherwise. Um, but it's, I love it because it's practical. It's full of helpful instructions for life to help us to flourish in God's world, to live in his kingdom ways, uh, not by the ways of our old nature, not in the ways of the world. But this can be challenging, and I think the verses we're looking at this morning would fit under that category. So it's really important, therefore, that we come to them with the richness of the truths we've been singing resonating in our hearts as far as the east is from the west. That's how far he's removed our transgressions from us. We're going to be looking at what God says about anger, about human anger. And it's so important to know that obviously we all get angry from time to time. And it's so important that you know and are settled in your heart before I even begin that there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So as, as, as I'm bringing this, hear it in light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, he has forgiven you all your sins, even the ones that stem from anger. This is where we start from. So if you want to turn to James chapter 1, we'll be looking at verses 19 to 21. And James says this. He says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this word. Thank you that you speak your word to us to do us good, to help us, to strengthen us, to change us for the better, to help us flourish in you. And I pray, Lord, that that is what you will do this morning. Help us all to come with open hearts, open minds, to receive, to humbly receive your word and be changed by it. Lord, we want more of you in our lives. Would you help us? Lord, would you give me words Help me this morning as I deliver this, God, and help us all to know you more and glorify you in this time. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. So I want to I I begin with a searching question. In what situations do you tend to get angry? Because there's often a pattern, isn't there? There's often like similar situations, similar buttons get pressed, and, and the anger can come. I was, I was watching a, a, a sketch yesterday um, from the comedian Michael McIntyre, and he was sharing the differences in approach that he has uh, to his wife when it comes to housework. So, for example, she puts the dirty dishes in the dishwasher, whereas he tends to just leave them on the side somewhere in the zone of the dishwasher. And this makes her angry. So she pointed out to him that when she cooks the Sunday lunch, she puts the chicken in the oven. She doesn't just leave it on the side near the oven. There there were more examples that, that he gave, but it sounded like he had a gift for winding up his wife. And naturally, the anger arose. I'm, I'm sure we've all got those sort of common situations or flashpoints in our households where there is the potential for, for anger to arise. But what we really need to, to, to get at here to begin with is, is to understand what we're even talking about. Because James uses a specific phrase here. He says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So the first thing we need to do, I think, is understand what is the type of anger he's talking about? What is human anger? It's... It's clear in, in Scripture that not, ang- not all sort of forms of anger are, are wrong. It, it does depend on the motivation and also sort of the outworking of it. We know that God gets angry when the vulnerable are mistreated, for example. You know, I, I've, I've worked with children of all, all my career, and occasionally, unfortunately, you come across children who have either been sort of badly bullied or um, maybe even mistreated by their, their parents. And, you know, naturally, something in you gets angry. You know, something in you sort of burns a bit. You feel cross that this child, this vulnerable young person, has, has suffered in that way. That's because we're image bearers of a compassionate God who cares about justice, who is just. That burning motivates you to help, in this example, the child, to protect them, to do what's, whatever's necessary to make a difference. That's righteous anger. It has a pure motive, and it has a constructive outworking. 
to help improve a situation. James isn't talking about that. James is talking about a different kind of anger. Human anger, what's distinctive about that? Well, the motive is different, and the outworking is different. There's a clue in the words that come just before, where he says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So if you're quick to listen, you're prioritizing listening to the person in front of you. You're prioritizing, you're wanting to understand them. You're wanting to understand them so you can help them, so you can do good. You're slow to to speak, slow to get angry. There's a selfless care involved in this. And it's contrasted with the human anger. So human anger is the opposite of that. Human anger focuses on what I want. Human anger is selfish. Human anger has little interest in listening to the other person. It has little interest in understanding their limitations, their problems has little interest in understanding their needs. Human anger is selfish. Human anger is quick to judge. It's quick to unleash anger on the person in front of you. Human anger is destructive rather than constructive. When I was preparing this, I I came across, uh, I was reading Proverbs, um, and I came across a proverb in chapter 27, and it said this, and this is speaking of human anger. It says, anger is cruel, and fury is overwhelming. And I think that picks up on two features of, of human anger. It's often cruel. It deliberately wants to lash out. It deliberately wants to hurt the other person. And it's also overwhelming. In other words, you are not in control of it. It is in control of you. And that is why we so often regret afterwards what we've said or what we've done in a moment of human anger. If we'd had more self-control, we know we would have spoken differently or acted differently. Now, when you are giving a preach on this sort of thing, I think you've kind of got to be honest. Um, And I am definitely not preaching down to to all of you this morning from, from a position of serenity and peace and, you know, never, never, to, never to anger in all my days. Um, you know, we, 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 are, you know, we are all um, in a glorious position of being forgiven all our sins, but we're, being, we're outworking a new nature, a new identity in Christ, and, and we all struggle with anger still from time to time. So, 
I'm going to use myself as an example, um, just so that hopefully it's relatable. But um, I, I was reminded in, 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 in preparing this of a time, um, I'm going to use an example from a long time ago, um, probably about 12 years ago, um, so I was a high school teacher, it's been a long day, I'd been teaching um, teenagers, many of them didn't want to be taught, I'd then had parents' evening um, as well at the end of it, I sort of lived sort of an hour's commute, and it got to the end of the day. I got in my car, got on the road, and I just could not wait to get home. And back then, I... You know, so you know how we all have our sort of, you know, flashpoints. We all have our sort of areas in life where we're more likely to get angry than other areas. So for me, full disclosure, driving is one of them. And particularly, you know, it was worse when I was in my 20s. I think I have made some progress, have I? I think I've made some progress. Um, but definitely back in my 20s, I was incredibly impatient um, and could definitely get easily irritated and angry um, on, on the road. And in, 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 in this particular occasion, uh, I'm, I'm driving home, I'm five minutes into the journey, I just, I'm so hungry, so hungry. I just needed to get home, I needed to get my dinner, and I needed to rest. And the car in front of me is doing 40 miles an hour in a 60. <laughs> and, and, I, and I'm thinking, why? <laughs> why are you doing 40 in a 60? Don't you know I need to get home? Don't you know the day I've had? Could we just speed up a bit, do you think? You should be doing 60 in the 60. And I thought, do you know what? And it's one of those sort of winding, single-track country roads, not easy, not many, not many opportunities to overtake. The opportunity arose. A bit of straight road, it's clear of oncoming traffic. Happy days, out I pull into the other side of the road to overtake. And the person in front, do you know what they did? I've got, to this day, I've got no idea why they did this. They saw me pull out to overtake, and they pulled out to block me. And I had to slam on my brakes, do an emergency brake kick, because obviously I'm accelerating as I pull out, so I have to emergency brake to avoid driving into the back of them. My heart's racing the adrenaline courses. What on earth is this person doing? I can feel the anger starting to really bubble up inside. And I think, there must be some kind of mistake here. This is just inexplicable. So I try again. I just think, that, I just think there's no way they've just done that deliberately. Who would do that? So I pull out again. And, I, and I got, they did it again. They, put, they blocked me again. Oh, I'm getting really angry now. <laughs> and what I shared a moment ago about anger is cruel, fury is overwhelming. I'll be honest, it's the, probably the one time in my adult life where... I wanted to get into a confrontation with someone. I wanted the 
next set of traffic lights to be red and for them to, I'm just being honest, I wanted it to be red so that they had to stop and so that I'd be able to pull alongside them. And it did, this happened. And by the grace of God, the guy driving the car didn't look across at me. But I pulled up next to him and I, I eyeballed him with the look of, you know, what on earth? I am fuming, and if you do so much, if you do anything other than acknowledge and apologize, I am up for coming to blows. Uh, you know, I was wrong, it's wrong, okay? But just full disclosure, anger is cruel, fury is overwhelming, and by the grace of God, he protected me in that moment and helped me to calm down and for it not to, um, to escalate. Now, that is not my normal behavior, I hasten to add. It is, it, it's, it's an example, but that is human anger. Why did it arise? For the reasons that human anger normally arises. I didn't get what I wanted. Someone else got in the way of what I wanted. It was selfish. I just wanted to get home. They got in my way, so I got angry. So the sort of situations where we need to be alert to this is if you're not getting what you want, if someone is in the, getting in the way of you getting what you want, and secondly, it's when we feel hurt, threatened, or offended. I felt really threatened. I felt this person had put me in huge danger. And I was deeply offended. If you're hurt, threatened, or offended, that is another moment to just be aware. Yeah, that is a ripe moment for human anger to arise. But what does God say to us in light of this? What does he say to us in light of this? What is the scripture saying to us this morning? Verse 21. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent I love the honesty of Scripture. You know, if I'm honest, in that moment that I shared, there was moral filth in my heart. There was an element of evil because a bit of me wanted to hurt this guy who had put me in danger and so deeply offended me. Yeah, and... There's, a, there's such a humility. We're going to come on to humility in a few minutes. There's such a humility that God calls us to, to recognize the, you know, those moments where there is moral filth. So therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. And what? And what? What do we do? And humbly accept. Humbly receive the word planted in you which can save you. Do you need saving? I need saving. You've probably realized that. 
<laughs> yeah, I need saving. Humbly receive the word planted in you, which can save you. So let's just take a few minutes on, on, on each, both aspects of that symmetry, on getting rid of the moral filth and humbly accepting receiving the word. So get rid of all moral filth. In, in the... Um, so in the, the, those words translated from Greek, in the Greek, the words used conjure an image of taking off dirty clothes. And we're not talking about clothes that are a little bit dirty. We're not talking, a bit of, we're not talking about a bit of loose dirt on, on the knee that you can just brush off. We're talking about taking off clothes that are so dirty, clothes that are so filthy, that you never want to wear them again. You want to take those clothes off and you want to chuck them away. It reminds me of the worst day of my life when I was forced by my mum as a teenager to work in a cockle factory on Boston docks. And the place absolutely reeked. The smell was beyond horrific. And I spent, I did an eight-hour shift, no idea how I stuck it out, but I did an eight-hour shift, and when I worked out of that place, feeling nauseous beyond belief, my clothes, in fact, well, my skin, just every inch of me and what I was wearing was so repugnantly disgusting in terms of the smell that I think I had about five showers, and do you know what? I I took those clothes off at the end of that shift and I threw them away. They were beyond... You would not, you would not get in that smell out. This, this, is the sort of, this is the sort of response we're talking about. Get rid of all moral filth. It's like me wanting, needing to just be done with those clothes that I'd worn that day. It implies a decision made and action taken. God, open our eyes. Lord, open our eyes. Help us see selfish motives, bad intentions, Lord, that lead to human anger in us. Lord, give us the clarity and power to decide that we're not going to wear those clothes anymore. We need to make that decision and we need to keep making that decision to be done, to be done with those sort of angry responses. You know, when you have a moment like I had you know, I got home and I realised, gosh, like, I knew, I knew, like, as a teenager, I had, like, some anger problems. And coming into my 20s, there was the residue of that. I tell you what, after that day, when I got home, I knew I had to, I knew something had to change. I knew that I had to take those old clothes off. They stank. I smelt the stench. And I did not want that anymore. So there's a decision made, an action taken. And where do we go with it? 
Well, humbly receive the word planted in you, which can save you. Here's the thing about salvation. If you trust in Jesus' death and resurrection, you have been saved. You have been saved. All your sin is forgiven. All my sin is forgiven. God forgave me for my ugly response to that guy on the road that day. I have been saved. You have been saved. But when we look at Scripture, we see that not only have we been saved, not only have we been declared right with God, we're also being saved. We are being saved. God loves us so much, he doesn't want to leave us as people drowning in human anger and getting ourselves into an absolute pickle as a result hurting other people, hurting ourselves. He is saving us. He is changing us from the inside out. He wants to renew our minds and change our hearts. Take out the heart of stone that would be quick to judge, that would be quick to lash out, and put in a heart that is soft, that is soft, that is quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, that will selflessly care. And one of the primary means of kindness and power that he gives us to enable that change is his word, which is why James counsels us all this morning afresh to humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do you know that the word of God is living? It has living power to search your heart and change your heart. In Acts um, and Thessalonians as well, it talks about the word being at work in those who believe. Do you know that the word can do work in you? The word does work in us. When we humbly receive it, when we open ourselves to it, when we dwell with God in his word and receive those words into our hearts and minds, when we don't rush on from it, but we take time to dwell, to meditate, to sing it, to pray it, to study it, it does work in us. Do you believe that? We need it. We need it. We are being saved by the power of his word at work in us. So we receive it, as I've just mentioned, through spending quality time. And I recognize the seasons of life where time is harder to come by. It's not always about length of time. Sometimes I feel I almost pine for my university days where I studied philosophy 
and had like three or four hours every morning to just read the Bible and pray and worship. And yeah, that's not been the reality of, 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 of my sort of post-university life. So this isn't sort of a, a, a guilt trip of you should spend X number of hours in the Word. No, this is an encouragement that whatever time you've got to devote to the Word, let it be quality time. Let it be time where you humble yourself and are open and you dwell and you don't, you don't rush on. I per- like, you know, some of us are musical and we'll hear the Word spoken to us and we might sing it out. Yeah? So for me, I love to pray it I, I, I love to read uh, what, it, what, what, it's, what it's saying and, 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 and take it as God's speaking to me, and then I speak back to him in response. There was a time recently where there, there, there was someone who I, I was getting really annoyed with them, and it had been building over sort of a number of, 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 of weeks, really, and... You know, there was that temptation to selfish anger. And God spoke to me, his word, from 1 Corinthians 13. And many of you will know it. God said to me, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy it does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. And this was the kicker for me, this last bit. It keeps no record of wrongs. And in that moment, I realized that the reason I was getting wound up by this person is that I'd been keeping a record of their wrongs, the ways that I had felt wronged by them. And there was that temptation to anger. God spoke in his word. My response was to to, to open myself to it, receive it, receive the correction in it. That sort of course correct. Okay, I can see I've been going in this direction. There's potential danger there. Change course. And I prayed in response, oh, Lord, I feel weak in this. Lord, help me. Sorry that I've kept a record of this person's wrongs, but I choose to let go of that now. I choose to forgive them. I choose to love them. I choose to be patient rather than impatient. Lord, would you give me your power, your strength, your grace. Holy Spirit, would you help me and enable me to do this? And do you know what? He did. And I've found it much easier to relate with that person since, and it's been much more fruitful. That's just an example of receiving the word that can save us. Notice it's, ex- it's humbly receive. Humility is essential. Do you know what? Often our first response is when we get angry or, just, or after the moment, say we, you, you've lashed out, 
You've said something. You've done something. How do you normally respond if someone points out to you that you may have overreacted? Or if they point out that you might have been a little bit out of order? Is your res response normally to go, yes, you're right? Or is your first response to defend yourself? Is your first response to think, hang on, these are the reasons. It's you. <laughs> You're the reason. <laughs> you created this situation. You are why I am angry. You know, it's, it's, it's the human response, isn't it? Uh, Paul touched on it last week, talking about temptation to sin. It's, it's the human reaction to excuse ourselves and blame the other person. Humility is essential. We need to, by God's grace, lay down that urge to justify ourselves and blame others. And instead, take those feelings, you, you, you feel that anger starting to rise, take those feelings to God instead. God made us as emotional beings. We have strong emotions. What do we do with them? We take them to him. Rather than unloading them on the person in front of us, we can take them to him instead. You know, we, um, we've, we've, we've started a little phrase in our household recently in situations where you know, maybe we sense you know, anger starting to arise. It's just simply one word, time. If someone says time, it means they need, we need a bit of space for a few minutes because anger's arising. We're going to let it calm down. We can have that pause to take our feelings to God, to take that anger to God and let him shape our hearts and minds through his word. But that takes humility. Humility is something that we can all struggle with, that we do all struggle with, but God can grow in us. If you don't have, then ask. If you know in your heart that that's a struggle, ask God. Ask and you will receive. Knock and the door will be open to you. There is a better way that God will open for you. Karis and Sarah, please could you come back up? We're coming into land. It is so good to meditate on Scripture to let it become a part of us. What does that look like? It can look like just taking a key verse or even just a few key words that really, really apply to us in that day or in that moment and just slowly read them and then slowly read them again to listen intently 
to ask the Spirit to apply them to our hearts. The Holy Spirit brings the Word alive to us. The Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. It says in the Gospel of John. I just want to finish with a few words from later on in James that really speak in to this issue of anger. Meditate on these now. It says, The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Do you want that? Does that sound good? Do you want to see a harvest of righteousness in your heart? Do you want to see a harvest of righteousness in your home? Do you want to see a harvest of righteousness in your workplace, in your school, in your city? Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Friends, let's dwell in God's word this coming week. Let's meditate on it. Let's study it. Let's sing it. Let's pray it with God. Let's eagerly and earnestly desire to be changed by his word. And let's pursue peace. Shunning human anger. Getting rid of the moral filth like those dirty clothes and pursue peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. I'm going to pray and we're going to respond in worship. But I also want to really encourage you that we're a body, we need each other. And there's an opportunity in our time of response now that if you are impacted by these things, either you know you're someone who can easily succumb to human anger, or if you're someone who is struggling because of someone else's human anger, there's an opportunity to support each other, to share with each other, to pray for one another, to encourage one another, to love one another. And I'd encourage us to do that as well in this time of response. So yeah, let me pray. We'll worship and I encourage you to love each other in that way. Oh Lord God, we come before you, Father, humbly because we know we're not without sin. We know we're all susceptible to human anger from time to time. Thank you so much that there is no condemnation for we who are in Christ Jesus. 
Thank you that you have forgiven all our sin. Thank you that you have saved us. But not only that, you are saving us. Thank you that your desire, your will, and your action is to change our hearts, Lord, to renew our minds. Thank you, Father, that as your word inhabits our hearts and souls, you change the way we think. And as you change the way we think, it changes the way we feel. And as it changes the way we feel, it changes the way we behave. Thank you, Lord, that when we pursue you and receive your word intentionally, earnestly, Lord God, you bring a harvest of righteousness. There is good fruit. There is good things to come. Thank you, Father, that with you there is always hope. Thank you that with you we are not trapped, but we're forgiven and we're freed and we're given the means to go on and live better, to live in your kingdom way, a way of selfless, loving care, service, sacrifice, all enabled and empowered by you. Thank you that we can come empty, but we can get filled. Thank you that you have what we lack. Lord, where we lack humility, we ask for it in Jesus' name. Where we lack peace, we ask for it in Jesus' name. Lord, would you bless us and be glorified? Would you have your way in us? We give ourselves to you. Help us to go on humbly receiving your word. Thank you that we are saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Jamie. Shall we stand?